you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. My name is Jackie Cation, and you've chosen wisely. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Ari Shafur discusses how some people just don't get irony. There's a Jew in a clan out there. If you don't, you don't understand, <laughs> then I don't know what to tell you. We'll hear more from Ari in just a little bit. Also a bit about uh, some folks up there in Wisconsin uh, don't like our gay friends. And we'll hear more from them in just a little bit. But first, as always, fake news. Fake news with me. President Obama will propose tax breaks for companies that bring jobs back to the United States as part of an effort to boost his economic recovery plan. Obama also included $12 million in his proposed 2013 budget to be released next month to add staffing to federal programs that seek to attract new businesses to the U.S. GOP candidate Newt Gingrich actually applauded the move, saying it will be a great way to put school kids to work. Scottish leader Alex Salmon clashed with the British government Wednesday by insisting that the people of Scotland should set the terms of referendum on independence, not British politicians. Salmon's party has long campaigned for Scotland to leave the United Kingdom and go it alone. Scotland now has a legislature that governs its own internal affairs and social policies, but cedes control to London for foreign policy, defense issues, and the best ways to boil meat. Citing ongoing threats from nuclear proliferation, climate change, and the need to find sustainable and safe sources of energy, scientists moved the doomsday clock one minute closer to midnight this past Tuesday. The clock was moved from six to five minutes to midnight. While the move did raise some concern in Washington, D.C., people on the West Coast seem largely unconcerned as their clock is only at five minutes to nine their time. GOP presidential candidate Rick Perry criticized the Obama administration for its over-the-top rhetoric in response to a video that purports to show four U.S. Marines urinating on the corpses of Taliban fighters in Afghanistan. These kids made a mistake, no doubt about it, Perry said, adding that when you're 18 or 19 years old, you do, quote, dumb things, unquote. To call it a criminal act is over-the-top. And even when you're 33, you do stupid things when you let the ranch that you just bought keep its hideously offensive name for a few more years. It seems they haven't worked hard enough. ABC has canceled the controversial cross-dressing comedy series Work It after just two episodes. The move prompted a response from the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, GLAAD, who had spoken out against the series. ABC officials insisted that GLAAD had no effect on the decision, saying in a statement, We realized we did bosom buddies 30 years ago, and it wasn't funny then either. The Kardashian clan is coming out in full force to shoot down what Khloe Kardashian is calling disgusting claims that she is not a Kardashian. Khloe took to her Twitter page to unleash a flurry of tweets slamming the women who say Khloe is not the biological daughter of the late Robert Kardashian. I'm pretty but dim and have no discernible talent. Of course I'm a Kardashian, Khloe screamed. And that's been fake news with me. So I was prepping for this week's show, uh, trying to figure out what bit I was going to do, when I ran across this article in the USA Today, uh, headline, High School Newspaper Column Sparks Controversy. And this happened in Shawana, Wisconsin. I'll read from the USA Today here. A gay couple with school-aged children is outraged over a column in a local high school newspaper that cites Bible passages and calls homosexuality a sin punishable by death. 
The column ran on the editorial page of Shawano High School's Hawks Post recently as part of an opinion package about gay families who adopt children. There was an opposing column saying sexual orientation does not determine a person's ability to raise kids. Well, of course, uh, a couple that is raising uh, some kids there in uh, Wisconsin rather upset about it. Uh, the paper and the school said they're going to review how things are submitted, but uh, some people, you read down a little further, of course, uh, say, you know, hey, First Amendment rights right here. David Hudson of the Washington, D.C.-based advocacy group First Amendment Center said the column may be distasteful to some, but the student journalists were practicing their constitutional right to free speech. And I kind of mostly agree with that, although uh, putting this thing in the guise of, well, there was a, an opposing uh, piece uh, reminded me of something Calvin Trillin had said, uh, on NPR's On the Media, it's a fine program, by the way, uh, he was discussing his coverage of the civil rights movement back in the 1960s, and he had this to say. There's a difference in being fair in reporting and pretending that the sides are equally compelling. And that comes uh, right after uh, Brooke Gladstone, uh, one of the hosts on On the Media, reads a quote from Calvin Trillin uh, in which he says this. I didn't pretend that we were covering a struggle in which all sides, the side that thought, for instance, that all American citizens had the right to vote, and the side that thought that people who acted on such a belief should have their houses burned down, had an equally compelling case to make. So, yes, the, uh, the side that, you know, says that, you know, homosexuals should be punished by death, I don't think have an equal, uh, equal footing in this argument. However... Uh, there is free speech, and even more importantly, I think that if you let stupid people say stupid things, people realize how stupid they are. For example, I found this little bit. Uh, this is from the 1950s. It's a documentary about the segregation movement in Tennessee and uh, also involves a newspaper. Apparently, the newspaper there uh, believed that the city school system there in Clinton, Tennessee should remain segregated. Here's the editor of the local paper there in Clinton, Tennessee, back in 1957, Mr. Horace Wells. Well, any newspaper uh, is inclined to follow the, uh, the thinking of the majority of the people in the community. And this community and, and I myself have uh, favored segregation all down through the years. Uh, back when this lawsuit was filed in 1950, uh, we did everything we could to maintain segregation about trying to provide the students with good, equal, but separate facilities. And that was the way the community felt, and that's the way the community wanted it. And that was the editorial policy of this newspaper. Doesn't it up very well, does it? Usually I'm pretty organized, but sometimes I'm not. Uh, I thought I had to interview Ari Shafir for his appearance coming up in Minneapolis, and then it turns out uh, I did not, and it was assigned to a different writer. There was a big mix-up. But anyway, I uh, contacted Ari at the last minute, and he was gracious enough to uh, let me speak to him on his cellular phone there as he drove to Joe Rogan's uh, place to do Joe Rogan's podcast. And uh, I just want to give you a little bit of backstory there, because uh, we discussed that at the end. I thank him for his understanding and patience in my uh, brief moment of disorganization. Uh, here now is our interview with Ari Shafir. Hey, joining us on PF State Recorder, Ari Shafir. Ari, how you doing? I'm great. 
Uh, as I was just telling uh, Ari in the setup here, uh, I couldn't get over the fact that he's on this podcast. He is a podcaster himself. We'll talk about that in a minute. And he's going to a podcast. So, uh, yeah, I'm headed to one. Headed to Joe Rogan's? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, cool, man. Uh, it's like an hour drive. I live in the fucking middle of nowhere. Huh. Well, uh, a lot of folks probably know you if they're fans of the, uh, the YouTube and the viral video from your uh, series, The Amazing Racist. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I had a lot of fans on that, actually. Yeah, that's got a lot of hits on it. Uh, how did that uh, develop? Where did you come up with the idea for that? Um, they, uh, it was this company that, that hired uh, the National Lampoons or, or got paid the National Lampoons to use their name or something like that. Yeah. They just like, got their name out. And they called a comedy store looking for like a somebody who looks Jewy. I think, I think Jeff Ross was supposed to do it, actually. Oh. And then he, and then he had to pull it out. Or maybe he said no. Maybe they thought they were gonna get him. They never could. I don't know exactly. But somehow he was um, semi-involved, and then he couldn't do it. So they called the comics were looking for somebody just Jewy, <laughs> and I'm um, like the Jewish guy. <laughs> I know they had an idea to do something like really, really light, like not really uh, harsh at all. Yeah. Just sort of like just real base. And I was like, yeah, let's, we can do it, but let's like let's really go for it. Let's, let's pull all the stuff. And, and then we just brainstormed for a while, and, and we came up with like, the harshest, <laughs> worst possible thing we could do. <laughs> uh, and so, and you're still producing those? No, no, that was a long time ago. Oh, it was okay. Like, that was a couple of days. All right, yeah. yeah. And, but and on I'm, the internet, they live on forever. That's true. Yeah, so you'd you'd never know. Um, so a lot of people uh, can't really handle irony, can they? No, I still can't. YouTube would always pull those clips clips down. <laughs> and I'd be like, I, I can't explain to you. There's a Jew in a Klan outfit. I, if you don't, yeah, <laughs> if you don't understand. Then I don't know what to tell you. I, it's, it's like there's clearly uh, whatever. Do, do you know Jimmy Dore? I know Jimmy Dore. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he, he on his show. He always uh, his yeah, well, he has the radio show over there on KPFK, and he constantly gets letters from people about stuff he does, and he's like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> how do you, yeah. how, how, in 2012? How do people not understand irony? It's like this too. I was, I was, but everybody does it. I was at the comedy store, and that's where we all hang out with all my comic friends. And um, somebody came up and said something sort of ridiculous to us, and my friends were like, oh, "That guy's weird." And it finally hit me. I was like, "Guys, if any comedian said something super weird, it's yeah. probably a joke. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's probably not being serious. That's just the, that's the normal thing. If something's so outrageous, then then yes, it's probably saying." Uh, now you also host a podcast, the Skeptic Tank, which I, I love the name, man. Uh, and right. and it's uh, the the latest episode, of course. It's uh, very provocative. I started listening. Uh, I guess so. Yeah, I yeah. Start... I guess some people say provocative. I, try, I interviewed a prostitute about what it's like, um, what that life is like. Yeah. I try to come at things from like super non-judgmental um, point of view. Yeah. And I just want to um, understand. That's all. No, but there was there was a prequel to this episode. I understand from listening to the beginning of uh, the episode last night. I started listening to it. Do you have a buddy that that's kind of on? Oh yeah, that's that's somebody else I interviewed once. Yeah, my friend, my friend on on my second episode. It's not on my iTunes when I was still on network on Death Squad. Okay. um, Yeah, he only has sex with hookers now. Huh. He's done with regular girls completely. Um, that was probably one of the best interviews I've done. Because he was just so honest about it. It was so clear. It was like he wasn't trying to brag or try to hide anything. He just broke down why he only has sexual hookers. He can't get laid by regular girls. The people thought he was more confident. But he's like, yeah, tell me all you want. It's not happening. I've heard everything. Hmm. 
And then we talked about, you know, his fear of disease and how he gets the girls and what his parents might think or everything embarrassed about it. It was a really great one. Yeah. I'll go back and uh, dig. I think you can still get those uh, in iTunes as well. Yeah, they're on they're on Death Squad. Okay. On, on that iTunes. Um, they're on my website. Just get Ari the Great um, and do a search for, for that. I think okay. episode number two. Cool. Well, as um, always, we, we will have links at the end of uh, uh, on the uh, Podbean page, which hosts this podcast, with all the relevant links right. for the interview. So, um, so uh, you, why did you go from Death Squad to doing the Skeptic Tank? What was the transition like for that? Um, I wanted to do more of them like uh, on the road and, and, and at home. You know, it was just harder with uh, Brian Redman, who runs the, the Death Squad stuff. He, uh, he just got like, a ton of podcasts, <laughs> so he only has so much time. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it was easier for me to do them at home at some point. You know, I could do them with my friends at any point. I would take them sort of, sort of mobile. I did it from New York. Those are the first few I did on my own. Um, and I'm like, I'm in New York, and I have all these great comedians that I want to, I want to talk to for it. Um, but, yeah, I was able to do that. Which nice. And do you find it helps your comedy, kind of like being able to dissect comedy with other, I guess, professionals? Yeah, we end up talking a lot about that. Usually we will cover subjects and we'll meander or allow for like a lot of meander. Um, what, you know, whatever comes up. Um, and I just try to come back to whatever subject I'm talking about. But uh, yeah, a lot of what we meander to is comedy and the art form of comedy. So, and uh, yeah, that helps me a lot. Do you, are you a stand-up at all? Uh, I do open mics. Okay, well, yeah, just talking about it. I had this week when I started taking jujitsu. Um, and the, and the, uh, the brown belts, the pearl belts, people who are more advanced, um, I, I'd be like, sorry if you have to practice with me. You know, I'd be like, switch up, everyone that goes in different groups. And they all said, I get it now. They all said, like, no, just walking you through it helps me understand, like, the basics. Yeah. Like, understand what I'm supposed to be doing. So just talking about it sort of helps me remember, like, technique more yeah. than anything. You know, to figure it out. Were you funny growing up, or, or to a point where people said, "Yo, oh, you've got to, you got to be a comedian"? Or yeah, for a while I was super unfunny, and I would just quote, I would just steal um, like uh, Eddie Murphy routine. I would just pretend that they're mine in like fourth grade. Huh. <laughs> so I was so clearly not me. I would steal it from like just trying to say something. Like uh, he had some bit about how women, women do this, nineteen whatever, ninety or eighty or whatever it was, eighty five. It was like women these days, uh, you can't kick them out of the car anymore. They'll, they'll kick you out of the car. Cause you know, I, I forget the bit. But I would do it word for word as if it was just thought that was having. Yeah. And I was like, you don't, you don't even drive yet. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's not yours. That's Teddy Murphy. <laughs> I knew I wanted to be funny. I just didn't know how to do it yet. And then, I don't know, a few years later, I was able to be funny on my own. But don't you think uh, that... Yeah. Like, kind of- Kind of following that, kind of, like yeah. But I think like doing covers like that kind of helps you when you're starting out. Maybe I bet when you're nine or ten, you, it's okay to do covers. <laughs> yeah, it was just like I, I liked the idea of uh, yeah. You can't even really wrap your head around how how to be funny. You just sort of yeah. know what certain things are. I read an interview with Eddie Murphy where when he started, he would, would do like two minutes of his own material. Then he'd say, "This is a tribute to Richard Pryor," and he'd do like twenty minutes of Pryor's material. Yeah. Yeah, especially if you if you tell people sort of where it's from, it can sort of just it can sort of help you, I guess, just in terms of like let me feel what it's like to have good punchlines and right, to, yeah, and to uh, the timing and stuff. Just as you say it, I'm not kind of a crowd. You're like, oh, I get it. I can really help you. So, what sort of things um, are you talking about on stage these days? Eddie Murphy or me? 
You. <laughs> I don't know about I don't anything. Nothing else anymore. Uh, no. I, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to write a new album this year. I'm trying to do this Louis C.K. Bill Burr thing, um, where I recorded an album at rooftop at the end of October, Halloween weekend, and I want to throw away all my old material and just like, repeat nothing from that album and just make a new hour. Um, so I'm just sort of talking about the stuff that's in my life lately. I'm usually pretty dirty. And no matter what, I'm still going to be dirty. But I'm just sort of talking about what's, what's going on. Like, all my friends are becoming, like, homeowners and, and parents. And how little I want that, those things. Yeah. And sort of just this feeling of, like, should I should I want? Like, what is it to be an adult now? I don't know. It's way funnier than that. I'm putting oh, well, it, yeah, yeah. Just, I'm sure. Sort of what I'm going through in my life. Um, so I, that's what I explore in my comedy. You know, with funny spins on it. Is it uh, harder as you're going along to... Uh, to, to work out the new material or does the process that you've been in it for so long get easier or how does that well, work? Well, it's really scary. I've never done this thing where I'm just like, I'm not doing my old stuff anymore. Because before, it's like, you know, where, wherever I'm stuck or if, I, if I'm trying a new bit, I'll throw it in the middle somewhere. And then I can always close with some solid, solid, you know, bit that I've been doing for a year and a half or three years or whatever it is. Uh, and I have hours to choose from. You know, it's whatever I've ever done. I can choose yeah. from. But now it's sort of, I try not to. I try not to end with that with that closer that I know will work because then I feel like this is what Billy told me. It's fucking scary, but it's 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 so hard working. It's like when you end with this closer, you leave with a feeling of like, yeah, I'm pretty good. That was great. Even if the rest of the set went like so so. Yeah. But like when you just end with something new too, you're left with a feeling of like, ugh, that was I wasn't up to par. That wasn't good enough. And it's just sort of unsettling. And so then your mind just races and tries to figure out, like, how to stop you from having that feeling again. And it makes you, it forces you to write taglines and jokes. Um, so, yeah, so, it's, yeah, that always, that thing is, like, I want to close strong, but now it's like, don't, just do new stuff. And then what he would do is, once he figured out that his new stuff was becoming, like, closer-worthy, once it was so good that he could, like, close with it, he would then open with those, with those bits. I have to follow it. <laughs> oh, to yeah, yeah. I've, I, I remember reading that. Yeah, so I'm not quiet at that stage yet. All the stuff I have, all the stuff I have is not, it's not killer yet. But I'm on pace. Bill Burr broke it down once to my friend Tom Segura, and he was like, Tom was asking, like, why, how he writes an hour a year. Like, it's sort of unheard of. But when, when Louis started doing it, it was like, are you crazy? Like, nobody does that. Uh, but then Bill said it, and it makes it so clear. He goes, that's five minutes a month. Like, which comic can't write five minutes a month? Yeah, that's like, true. Wow, that's sort of embarrassing when you put it that way. Like, why can't I write five minutes? That's so little. Yeah. Um, and so that's all it is. But I, so it's like in a month, it's like you have five minutes, and two months, you have, you have ten. So it's been two months and, and nine days, and I'm, I'm a week ahead of schedule, maybe. <laughs> so, three weeks ahead of schedule. I've got like 17 minutes now. I've just built up like whole sets full of new stuff. So when you're, um, so you're driving to Minneapolis, you'll you'll be over a quarter of the way there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, here's what I got. The problem is I have to work also, so I can't right. only do new things when I'm on the road. Well, sure. I just can't do it. It's not, I don't I don't have it even close. I don't even have bad stuff to fill 45 minutes to an hour. So I'll do everything I have new, and then I'll have older stuff too. I haven't been to Minneapolis for three years also, so I haven't seen any of the stuff I'm I'm uh, doing. We got to get you out here to Cincinnati. So, uh, uh, to go bananas or uh, the funny bone. We have two clubs here, so. No, I was I was open to Rogan once. We did it like a rock club before USB. Whenever the USB was there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
All right. Well, uh, thanks for taking the time, Ari. Sorry for the the last minute uh, thing. I just I once I've scheduled the the interviews and everything and uh, with my editor no, in okay. Minneapolis, I just forgot about it completely, and I don't check till I go to put the dates on the actual interview. And I was like, oh crap. <laughs> no, that's okay. I was just wondering. I was like, wait a minute. Hold yeah, on. I know. I just, it's been. I know. It's been. It's been yeah, booked for three months. Yeah. Here, All right. Well, thanks again, uh, man. Uh, have fun with Joe Rogan there. And uh, right. and uh, like hopefully Cincinnati sometime again soon. All right, cool. All right, thanks, Ari. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Ari Schaffer for being on PF Tape Recorder. You can find all things Ari at AriTheGreat.com. That's A-R-I, the great, so it's all one word, dot com. And, of course, we'll also have links uh, on the Podbean page of PF's Tape Recorder. Meanwhile, we're going to have a little musical uh, interlude here. The Kentucky Struts are a band from Cold Spring, Kentucky. That's the southern side of Cincinnati, don't you know? And they are a talented band. I think you're going to dig them. Uh, put me in the mind of uh, that kind of southern fried alternative rock, uh, maybe a Wilco, a Connells, if you will. And uh, this is a really cool tune called Ave Estelle. <laughs> Inside the barn, and I'm not your half to answer to the baddest grandmother born. I've heard about a grandkid, how she had been compromised. You know the story.
Kentucky Struts, Ave Estelle, wrapping up another PFs tape recorder. Just enough time to say, like us on Facebook, follow me on Twitter at PF66. Uh, some dates for you. Ari Shafir will be in Minneapolis at the House of Comedy there in the Mall of America, January 25th through 28th. I will be at Mugby's Sports Cafe in Cincinnati, Ohio. On Tuesday, January 17th, doing PF Trivia Live. And, of course, links will be provided uh, for the Kentucky Struts, R.A. Chauffeur, uh, Mugbees, and all that good stuff on the Podbean page. If you're downloading this through iTunes or someplace else other than Podbean, go to pfradio.podbean.com. You'll get all the info you need. Other than that, all I have to say is so long and thanks for listening.